I am so glad to be back in the studio, not with you really, but it feels like it because we're not in person ever. But here I am talking to you. We're together in spirit. We are together in spirit. And I was just talking about how we had talked about instead of the Bible game for our Q&A episode, we were going to talk about our hate comments. But let's be clear. We don't really get hate comments. We get (laughs) mild criticism occasionally. Also, I'm actually disappointed. I had hoped by now I'd be big enough to like get some real haters so um hey, anyway that's should how i you know you've really that's how you know you've made it is when you get some real hate comments and I'm you also don't you. i mean there's there's some truth to that you don't want to be in an echo chamber right like you yes. do want we do want criticism and you know occasionally if there are some great hate comments i, I wouldn't say no so yeah. <laughs> yes well and i'll tell you like i just interviewed someone this week for next season and they were I actually kind of feel bad about this. I, they were talking about how sad they were. They ended up in someone's book. Like someone was criticizing them in their book. And I, I interrupted her. I feel bad about this now. And I was like, you're being criticized in someone's book. I was like, you are big time. I don't know. There's something about criticism that I actually, I don't know. It's a big time sign, right? <laughs> I think so. I guess when you actually get there, you'll have to like see like you still feel that way. That's but right. Meantime, Maybe I'm... I will hope someone dislikes you so much they just lambast you in their book. I will I'm hope that for you. you. You know, yeah, this is like me speaking. And then once they all come flooding in, I'll be like, can I take that back? Please don't hate mm-hmm. on me. But anyways, okay. Our hate comments are not really hate comments, but I will start with one. Um, so this was when I did a reel once about basically you slip up, you tell someone you're deconstructing and they actually are like, Oh, I like that. Tell me more. And then I just, in this reel, raise a bunch of different questions, right? Like, Oh, what about inerrancy? Do you, we really believe X, Y, Z. So someone in the comments said, if you don't believe in scripture, you can deconstruct all you want, but do not call yourself a Christian or a follower of Christ. The word of God is perfect in the original text, and we have translations that get as close to it as possible. God says heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will not. Yeah. So my response, I said initially, I said, the way I see it, Jesus was killed by people who committed their lives to studying and following scripture. And he was targeted by them. Or I shouldn't say killed by them. I did say that in the comment. But he was targeted by them for tampering with God's word, breaking God's laws. But Jesus said in 539, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are that which testify of me. The word that scripture testifies to never said believing in biblical inerrancy was required to be saved. So I don't either. It's like, it's hard saying like, this is a hate comment because I don't really even feel like it is. No, no. You know, but, but it is the perspective have... that don't call yourself a Christian if you don't believe certain things. So mm-hmm. uh, in this case, anyway, any thoughts on that? <laughs> Our mild hate comment. Not I even. disagree with what she's saying. I think that um, like, even what does inerrancy mean? Like all of those conversations, it's a whole can of worms. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, just the yeah. idea that our translations are like they are mostly correct i do believe that but like there are so many even when saying that there are so many nuances and different things i'm like yeah that's just really i don't think that means what you think it means and so i guess that's what i'll land is i don't think that means what you think it means yeah to have the translation as close to it as possible doesn't mean we're still interpreting it correctly all the time and i think that's something um oh (laughs) This one was funny to me. This one has a bad word in it. Um, 
but it was i accidentally left the hashtags on for uh season one i'd left i just put atheists on everything because i was like season one would appeal i think to a lot of atheists who come from the evangelical background and someone said you you use the atheist hashtag and as an atheist i can honestly say i don't give a and unless you work in academia, you should have a better use of your time than deciphering any meaning in a text full of fables that have been bastardized and politicized to death. So anyways, I uh, would argue that we kind of do work in academia. I mean, like, this is an academic endeavor, I think. In <laughs> this is an academic pursuit. Um, we both have advanced degrees. That gives us something, yeah, I hope. I, I think mean, so. But you know what? All I had to do, um, I, I actually reached yep. out to uh, Nathaniel. <laughs> I reached out to Nathaniel, who is season mm-hmm. one's sauciest atheist, um, but who's also a dear friend. And he yes. got right on there and <laughs> kind of put this, kind of stopped this conversation. Um, well, actually, it went on for quite a while, but I did not have to respond anymore because... <laughs> Nathaniel is such a bro, really. It's kind of nice to have it. someone that you you can disagree. <laughs> like we disagree on so much, but like we're also in each other's corners. And anyway, it was mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So this was when I um, interviewed Moxum, who is gay, and he talked about that and how that's kind of you know how he is fully affirming. And anyway, mm-hmm. this was not even. I don't think I made any statement about that or anything, but it was a. Um, post saying I was interviewing them and someone came on and said you don't get to make up your own version of Christianity just because it disagrees with your sinful lifestyle if the Bible says what you're doing is a sin you either listen to it and repent or you don't and you perish you aren't serving God by affirming someone who clearly doesn't bother to simply read what God has to say and you need to repent just like he does and I basically Mm. said um I said, hey, are you speaking specifically about homosexuality? Because we talked about a lot more in that conversation than just that. And I said, if you have a chance to listen to a conversation, I would love to hear your thoughts on the measures Moxham took to remedy his homosexual orientation to please God, especially an exorcism, which was performed on him. And um, I would love to hear your thoughts on what he might have tried instead. Um, And... Anyway, we talk a little bit about how there, I think there's some wiggle room in, in the Bible personally in trans, uh, I shouldn't say in interpreting it. I think there's some wiggle room. So I, yeah. I kind of mentioned a few things I'd love to hear his thoughts on. Um, yeah. And at the end of the day, I basically said, you know, if you think I'm leading people astray, please pray for me because it's not my goal. I think we DMs actually, you know, you know, that's actually, a, that's actually a pretty yeah, good Yeah. Like if you right. think this please do what you can to help me (laughs) Um, because that's not my goal but also typically telling someone to repent doesn't ever really do the trick (laughs) i was gonna say the way they just like you need to repent and he needs to repent or you're all gonna perish is not like typically i mean i've never personally heard of that working for anyone in the bible from jesus's mouth perhaps and even then like i mean like but i think if jesus were saying that like you would feel like his care for you and like or like you're like a pharisee who's like super hardened like we're not like i'm receptive to what you have to say like i want to dialogue with you but like telling me i'm Mm -hmm. going to hell is not like super well and i also think um so what's neat about this individual is 
you know, I reached out privately and I think that's where I said the comment about, you know, please pray if you think that because I'm not seeing it on this chain here, but we've actually kept in contact and they have completely the opposite Mm -hmm. opinion on almost everything. But it's been nice Mm -hmm. because they will weigh in on polls and things. Um, We have had some discussion and none of them after it have had that tone. And so I think... When I say I want more hate comments, I actually think what I mean is I want more of that engagement where we're having people, Mm -hmm. you know, because like you said, with the echo chamber, we have a lot of people who agree. And of course, we have an audience that we're trying to reach and help um, who are probably questioning. Mm -hmm. But I think to have it, it, it also speaks to progress in Christianity and in our objective, um, when we are able to have opposite sides come on and and bring up their points and bring up their sides, like that's where change actually happens. It's a tangent there, but <clears throat> anyway, that's really all I got. I don't really have very many naysayers. That's really good. Bring them in, make us big time, guys. <laughs> Let's get to our actual Q and A section what this episode's all about because we had different questions come in uh during season two some of them are personal for us which i think is great some of them are really just about um you know different things concerning the season but um why don't we just do some Mm -hmm. of the personal questions first i think that would be good so one of the questions was what was each of our favorite episode to record this season okay so my favorite uh, was our last episode, our, our slavery episode. And I just think it, well, it was just personally mm. just really enjoyable to research. Uh, and I think we really hit our groove while recording. So like, just like for personal reasons, I really, I enjoyed the recording process. I enjoyed our conversation. I enjoyed the research. I feel like it's like, okay, I got, you know, yeah, I got in my groove and it was just, it was just flowing. It was whatever that word is like that. No deep work i don't know you were but like, like there it is. i, I hit think this stride. actually really shows um yep the fact that you truly are more of an academic than me because i was like that i, I was like i'm barely hanging on in this episode it's almost above my pay grade <laughs> in the sense of some of the uh terms and stuff like i haven't studied slavery in in america and i was like mm. oh no am i saying i don't know i was like think god i have jenny to help like tell me like what i don't know how to even talk about such a crazy heavy subject yeah it is it is very heavy not to make light of that but just i and i loved the process um i did feel like it was one of our most um researched like academically researched so yes that was really good i i am gonna cheat and say our health series three episodes and get three in one i'll allow it I yeah. think for me that was personally the most rewarding in my own deconstruction mm-hmm. because I had some hunches of what I thought, mm-hmm. you know, and then doing, actually being forced to sit down and do the research and say, you know, my hunches are actually decently well-founded um, was really rewarding. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things when you pointed out, especially like early, like p- early Christians we're not all in the infernalist camp. It was such an interesting mm-hmm. <sighs> kind of connection to Christian history to be like, we are part of Christian history and we're not crazy. Exactly. Yeah, I found it. I just found that one to be very rewarding. And I think also the um, feedback we got on that one was very rewarding to me from this end as well. 
Um, mm-hmm. So then what was the hardest episode to record? That was another question we got. Mm. So I'm going back to the first episode. Sodom and Gomorrah was the hardest. Um just really for technical reasons so <laughs> i didn't have like i didn't have my <laughs> well i mean like part of it was like i didn't have my system for researching i didn't know what our outline was going to be like like i we were figuring all this stuff out yeah. and you know and then we had to record twice we mostly because like <laughs> i did such a terrible job like it was so no, bad oh i don't think that's i mean it was I... bad and so I this don't. is where <laughs> this was like very much a, like it wasn't a, a lesson, but it was more like an affirmation of the of um, something that Brene Brown talks about. Very, very wise woman. She talks about the concept of fucking first time. Oh, which is when you do <laughs> anything for the first time. It's hard, and it's you're probably going to do a bad job, but it's okay because it's part of the process. You just remember every time it's the first time, it's FFT, which is fucking uh, first time. And so, I wasn't I wasn't discouraged. I I will say, but I was like, that was hard, and I <laughs> I, I yeah, I'm glad we re, re re recorded because you know even now if we went back, I'm sure it would be even better, you know. Yeah. But. Yeah. Um, it was the first time, and it was hard, and not the first time for you because you've been recording and you've been, yeah, you know, interviewing true. people. But first time for me, so that was the yeah. hardest one. But I loved it. I, I loved the the like the research and the content of it. I loved it. I think it's just so fascinating. Yeah. Um, but it was hard. <laughs> but it was difficult. That's so interesting. I kind of forgot about all that, but I also loved going back because then we got to put in the. Um, Bible game because I think the first time we yeah, recorded we it we weren't going to do, gonna do that yeah and then because mm-hmm. of that I was like this sounds so much like Game of Thrones can we like do a little something to yeah and, and I'm so glad you added that it was fu- I, yeah I really enjoyed that that's so funny I didn't even think about the technical difficulties I was thinking like the emotional hard yeah I went straight to like man we had to record <laughs> it was like all this research was edit. new <laughs> that's true the press this speaks to our personalities too it I really like- does this is interesting <laughs> Yep. But I, I think for me, the hardest to record was Abraham and Isaac for emotional reasons, because mm-hmm. I feel like that was yes. the episode that I had the least sort of closure on the topic. And it was sobering yeah. to realize I've never been concerned about this passage until now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I felt like I was kind of blindsided with that. Yeah. Um, and that the implications of it were so bad (laughs) like I just I don't know there was a lot about Mm -hmm. that that it felt like it felt like a heavy um episode to me but that one's been really helpful to a lot of people and sometimes I think just sitting in the heaviness is something that the the church needs to be able to do more of if we're gonna have a responsible interaction with some of these things so yeah yeah um okay well let's move on what does spirituality look like for us these days Okay. Yeah, I say so for spirituality for me, um, I'm I'm a practicing member of the Eastern Orthodox Church that kind of happened, I guess, about a, two years ago, a year and a half ago, um, kind of coming out of evangelicalism. I am strongly ex-evangelical. Uh, I, anything that it has too much of an evangelical flavor, I don't really like it, even though I'm still kind of swimming in those circles. Mm-hmm. But I just, I don't really like it. I distrust it. I distrust yeah. a lot of things about it. Um, you know, like academic integrity and like scriptural, like truthfulness and all that sort of stuff. But Mm -hmm. anyway, so, but, uh, 
in the Orthodox Church, uh, I'm I'm under that uh, umbrella um, as far as doctrine goes, but I'm definitely on like the more liberal side, mm. I would say. Um, and just personally, I really find that the tradition of the church is really helpful to guide like my spirituality personally. There are mm. these wonderful rhythms in the church that where you have scripture readings, prayers, and meditations that you follow. Yeah, and yeah. like the feast days and the holy days, uh, the things we celebrate as a church community. And so I find that structure and that active participation in church life is really like a key way of how I relate to God and how my inform my worldview. And just like when I'm when I'm not following one of those you know set structures, but kind of using it as a jumping off place, like to how to inform how I relate to God. So hmm. uh, that's where I'm at right now. That's awesome. Yeah. Um... You know, I have gone back and forth with the title of Christian, which is not something I ever thought I would do. But the reason I've done that recently is not so much because I feel like I've changed um, as much as I'm seeing how others are perceiving that title. And at times Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know... I I don't want you to get the wrong idea about me off the bat. And that's the funny thing about labels, you know. Um, Definitely still a Christ follower, Christ believer. And I I think I would still say Christian for most circumstances because in in, in many, many ways that still applies. But there's definitely an idea I've had lately, um, which we'll get into one of our other questions actually. But this idea that I'm wondering lately when Jesus came, you know, this whole religion developed after him, after his teachings and everything. But it's mm-hmm. so ironic because he came in a religion, like he came in a Jewish setting. And right. I've been wondering recently, I'm like, was the point to create a new religion? That's what happened. But I wonder if the point was to create something new or to transcend religion. And of course, part of, even my old evangelical self would say, well, like, of course it's to transcend, but in practical terms, we still think, okay, but that has to look this way, this way, this way. And I've been wondering lately about, mm-hmm. you know, how does this message transcend everything? Not that all religions are true. I, I, they can't be, they contradict each other. Um, but right. how, how, what does this mean for all people is something I've been thinking about. And, and you know, mm-hmm. that used to be, well, all people have a chance to be saved and all people. And now mm-hmm. it's like, well, what saved me? <laughs> you know, there's so many I things. Know. So this is not even, I, I don't have a very good conclusive answer. I think that my spirituality has become even more curious, even more aware of how little I know. Um, and actually remarkably, I have an internal sense of safety. I don't think I have ever felt in my life. That's, and that's amazing. That's wonderful. That's that's my hope of people deconstructing. Yeah. yeah. Is that going through this gives you safety and comfort versus feeling, you know, feeling insecure. Yeah. Yes. I'm so glad that that's been true for you. But and it, it doesn't make any sense to my mind because I'm like, you're the least certain you've ever been. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. But I actually am like, well, that's probably how grace actually works is you, yeah. you, you stop act. We say we're not dependent on our certainty and our knowledge, mm-hmm. but our emotions sometimes tell us we still are. And I think for me, at least that's been a thing. So, so I don't know exactly, you know, I have removed myself from some um, Christian spaces I was a part of. Um, mm-hmm. do, do you still and, go to church? 
we do and we don't we haven't been but it's not yeah. because we've been avoiding it it's because we've been traveling a ton this spring yeah. and so and so sometimes we would go to relatives churches and stuff sure. um and that's that's something that i've you know been trying to think about because it's one thing to I will just say for me, I understand mm-hmm. a lot of people cannot go to church. They feel mm-hmm. it is inauthentic. It is harmful in all of this. But especially the church we go to, I I look at the people there and I'm like, I get you. I don't agree with a lot. Uh, I shouldn't mm-hmm. say a lot. I don't agree with things I know probably particular leaders think and stuff. But I, I get this place. And to me, to fully just say I'm out would feel almost like an evangelical <laughs> way of acting which is ironic not everyone feels that way yeah to be like okay i don't agree so canceled that to me that feels that way a little bit um i don't know what all this means though for me because you know i i love i've been a worship leader i literally my undergrad is in worship leading and i am asked to do that and i Mm -hmm. haven't been because we've been traveling so much but that's something i've been kind of wrestling with like yes i still want to lead people into this what does that mean if there are lyrics that i'm not 100 percent on board with what does that mean for me you know am i okay with just creating in a sense creating art that is an invitation for others to experience something spiritual even if i am not fully on board with it like an actor might do you know but then yeah. again it's like you're always taught don't be acting don't be acting when you're in church so it's kind of this it's interesting not that you do this, but worship leaders are 100% acting along. Like, not always inauthentically, <laughs> yeah. but like it's 100%. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, we. <laughs> Moving That's, on. I'm, I mean, I'm, I, I don't know how to explain it. Like, I don't know. It's. I have always thought of it as I want to show. I, I do things I wouldn't necessarily do myself so that other people mm-hmm. feel they can. And so, mm-hmm. you know. On my own, I don't actually listen to a lot of worship music. And I definitely don't wave my arms around. But I will do that in front of people, not to be fake, but so that they can feel welcome. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, that I shouldn't say. I mean, that I don't. that's not the aspect of it that I think is wrong. I think that's actually... Tell me about the acting part. then. What do, you, what do you mean? Like well, acting... I guess, I guess sometimes I know that... Because I also used to work at a church uh, in the administrative mm-hmm. role. And we talk about, we talk about these sort of things. And... Um, just like you have to get people to feel a certain way. It's very much a, uh, a yeah. manipulation of emotion. And so what sort of songs do we play and what progression do we use to make people feel a certain way? Yeah. And it's very, it can be very orchestrated, um, mm. it, like very contrived. And I always just really despised that. So it wasn't necessarily like the worship leader was intending to like do this a certain way. It may even been like, you know, upper leadership or maybe they were even unaware. But just just this whole thing where like we read books about how to make people, you know, feel a certain way. Like here's the model Mm. of how to do this. Like very out in the open. I'm like, I just really did not like that at all. And this is like the mega church model. Um, And so just how these things can be can be used that's the aspect i don't like but what you were saying i have no problem with it yeah well i can still see it though like there's definitely i mean when i was worshiping before i would pick songs i'm like this one's gonna be a hard hitter we're gonna get some tears you know and it's like i don't know i don't yeah i don't and maybe that like you know it's not like it's it's great it is great for me actually um because 
that can be good, right? I get, I don't know. It's tricky because I also have been a yeah. wedding performer. So for weddings, I also I'm so like this. I'm like, oh yeah. If I play this song, you're going to be reduced to nothing, and I know it. Like I'm gonna sing. But that's good. Like, that's you're like, gonna oh, cry. But it's like when you're in the, you know, when you're in the Christian system, you don't yeah. think you're hurting anyone. You're like, if I can have the same effect and lead you to encounter God, how is that bad? So I think it's mm-hmm. okay. Here's mm-hmm. maybe where we can agree. Perhaps I do think this happens, this acting, and I do think a manipulating happens, but I do think it is often very unaware. Like the people doing mm-hmm. it don't think of it mm-hmm. as I'm manipulating you. Oh no. I, I agree with that completely. <clears throat> yeah. But I don't know. So anyways, I'm in a so weird space the, with it all. <laughs> so what I, were you going to say? We I mean, don't have to leave this part in, but like, I just want to know what's a hard hitting wedding song. I, just, oh. <laughs> I need to know like, an exa- just like one example. I need to know. A hard hitting wedding song. Well, I, okay. I haven't done wedding performing in like a few years, but, mm-hmm. um, oh, what is the song? Heartbeats fast colors. And yeah. Promise. A thousand years. That one. Hard hitter. Yeah. Um, hard hitter. <laughs> Let me yeah. think. Um, that one is actually requested so much. Um, which is funny because all I think about is Twilight, which I like, think this is the stupidest thing ever. But I, I love the song, but I cannot divorce it from Twilight. I don't love the song because I'm like, you cannot be promising someone a thousand years. We are not vampires. This doesn't happen. No, don't and do we're not fake yeah, promises. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm singing this with conviction and I'm like, see, so see, maybe I should be worship leading because apparently I can divorce myself from the text at any time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's hyperbole. That's how I interpret it, but that's better. That's better. Um, oh shoot, there's so many more. Like, why am I drawing a blank? Well, because you're trying to talk about your deconstruction <laughs> and your spirituality, am. and I'm like, tell me about wedding songs. Uh, but all that to say, as you can see, there's an interesting intersection of like, what do I do with these gifts? That mm-hmm. I, I do feel like are gifts, but not even gifts. Like I've developed Absolutely. them. And so and yeah. I have used them in the setting, which I'm not fully opposed to. And yet there's this new tension. So it's just kind of a little bit of a weird spot to be in. But yeah. overall, I do feel like my spirituality, I have, like I said, a sense of safety and peace. I don't know that I've ever had fully. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's beautiful. I've been, I don't know how to explain it. I don't do the disciplines as much that I used to do. I still do Bible reading, but the last couple months that slowed down some and the um, overt praying has slowed down some. And yet I feel like this connection to something almost like all the time, which I do think is God. Um, it's just mm-hmm. a different way of kind of just being with it God. It feels like you're coming from a place of freedom, truly being able to choose. Yeah. And just I think being able so. to rest in that. And not feeling afraid of not doing it has yes. changed things a lot. And I, you know, I, the other day I was like, man, I want to sit down. I used to do these kind of gratitude prayer things. And I was like, mm-hmm. I haven't done that in a while. And I really do feel like I want to do that again. And so it's kind of interesting to see how it ebbs and flows. Because I think in the past I would do things kind of as a safety. Like, um yeah. You know, like, well, I did this, and that doesn't save me, but I am keeping my connection. That's, I think, more of it. I'm yeah. keeping my connection, which isn't a bad thing. But now mm-hmm. it's almost like I sense the connection all the time, which is so mm-hmm. interesting because I have, like, no certainty. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's just such an interesting paradox to be in. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. Paradox. <clears throat> it really is. And I don't know how long, you know, I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like, but... 
I do feel like it's good. And I do feel like I, um, the conversations that are being had are truly some of the most rewarding ones in my life. Like, I feel like that sounds kind of melodramatic, but you know, we did this season and I've had so many people reach out about the season we did. And, mm-hmm. um, and so many kind of personal things, uh, like messages and, and things yeah. that, I'm just, it's funny because when I was so steeped in evangelicalism, I wanted that. But by nature, mm-hmm. people are scared to approach you, you know, with actual questions. Yeah. Um, and so it's been really, it's been really lovely, honestly. I don't know. Unexpectedly so. So, yay. Yay us. I think you're <laughs> yeah, step, stepping into something that you're <clears throat> called to do. I mean, I don't want to get into like, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, it is, and it's really rewarding. And I mm-hmm. also, I don't know, and you are too. It's side note, but you just got hired at like your dream job doing museum stuff. I did. And I yay, did. let's just applaud for a second. I just feel like oh it's really. Oh my gosh! Thank cool. you. Thank yes. you. <laughs> it's so cool because that's also what you've trained to do. And I don't know. It's just like neat to kind of see stuff like kind of working out knock on wood like i'm literally i know (laughs) i know it's it's yeah i mean it's something it's been a a dream a passion of mine for for a decade or more and you know to to work through it and do all the steps it took to get here i'm just i'm so excited i'll be working at the crazy horse memorial in south dakota um and i'm just i'm so thrilled it i yeah it's kind of like i didn't I kept kind of telling myself, well, it may never happen. This dream may never be fulfilled and trying to like be okay with that. And then to like mm. accomplish it and be able to live, you know, and, and do what I wanted to do for so long is, is, is wonderful. It's very exciting. Yeah. And you're moving super soon, which is why I know I'm moving super soon. Also <laughs> so excited. It's super hot in Kansas city. It was yeah. like over a hundred degrees yesterday, which I know like that's Gross. your jam. And I'm like, I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. I'm so excited to move to South Dakota. You're going to be a northerner. Is that a northern? Yeah, that's a northern state, right? Or is it? I mean, it's north. It's, it's, yeah. It's north of here. <laughs> so there we go. It's north of here. It's, it's it is north above, of here. Above Nebraska. So yeah, I'd say northern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, good. Be cooler weather. Um, okay. Moving on. We yeah. are taking our time with these and I love it. Um, but someone asked, what resources mm-hmm. do we have to help people get started deconstructing the Bible at home for themselves? Do you have any that you would wa- like to share? I'm guessing you have a ton of these. I don't really have any. I, I'm like, I'm sure you have some very good specific ones to call out. I All I can say is just like, as like how you approach deconstructing at home is to say, just use discernment read multiple conflicting explanations and always go back to where are these people getting this information? What is their source? Um, and I just know that for many people, deconstructing is so hard. Um, it's, it's, it's personal, spiritual, like every part of your life can be impacted. You can lose friends and family over it. And so I know it can be just terrifying to even contemplate and just can produce so much anxiety. So not to take away from that, but just as much as possible, try to approach it with curiosity rather than fear because i think Mm. what you were saying is that you have so much uncertainty and so much peace somehow like this dichotomy i hope that's what other people can kind of capture um yeah and just approach with curiosity um and an open mind 
but not too far open that your brain falls out. Just, you know, yeah. reasonably open. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's actually very good. And I think we're kind of on the same train of thought because, yes, I have a lot of resources, but I actually didn't come really prepared to name any of them. I will say if anyone has mm. specific questions on like a book for a specific topic or passage, um, or how to process because there are different kind of methods on how to process mm-hmm. through the Bible stuff responsibly. Please DM me on Instagram, send a message to deconstructing the myth at gmail.com because I will send you that way. But the reason I didn't want to name drop a bunch is because I my approach is is really like similar to you in the sense of make it as simple as possible. So there's mm-hmm. more maybe principles I would say to keep in mind and there's various resources that will help with those different principles but one is really to try and get the context of the passage so we're often taught to to pull verses and meditate Mm -hmm. on a verse and one um, method that I really picked up at at um, my master's degree was you need to read at like at least a paragraph before and after preferably a chapter preferably a book you know the book it's in and it's kind of like let's be honest we're not all bible scholars so how much time do you have to actually Mm -hmm. you know mess around with this but it helps tremendously to keep things in their proper context and i think it's really important to if you are going to look at commentaries i'm not huge on commentaries until Mm -hmm you really have done a lot yourself of sitting thinking looking I mean I'm big on like looking at the historical background a lot of study bibles have that um you can definitely google that I'm I'm big on that but I think commentaries kind of like stress me out because for a lot of us like I used to really reference the MacArthur commentary and uh, you know there's don't have a lot of respect for MacArthur right now actually so yeah yeah it's like it's one person's like you think it feels like oh it's a commentary this is like this is the standard and then you realize these Mm. are just people who do have a lot of knowledge and shouldn't be discounted but they have a specific worldview and you should know what it is like what do they believe about xyz yeah when i'm reading their commentary how does that filter through i think that that's where you have to i'm going back to read multiple conflicting explanations Mm, yes check the sources i think that's a big one is to to look and see you know who's doing really good research on each side and mm-hmm. again if you have some if you have particular questions on topics you know reach out because i i do think there there are ones i've encountered that i do think do decent research coming from opposite perspectives and so that is helpful but to really try to look at varying opinions is going to be so important and i actually reached out to someone once who has a very lovely Bible journaling page. I mean, of course, very, you know, kind of conservative, mainstream Christian. Mm-hmm. And she was referencing all these tools she used. And I said, you know, these are all very reformed. Um, and she said, well, yeah, because I that's what I am. And part of me is like, I get yeah. that. Like, I get not mm-hmm. staying in deconstruction your whole life. <laughs> or in staying right. in this. Well, I don't actually get not staying in an open mindset. And I just think it's a generally good principle to at least know both sides or multiple sides you don't have to spend all your time equally researching both all sides all the time like for practical purposes we would be in the same passage for like all year but i just think that makes a big difference in being able to process it a little more objectively um Mm -hmm. so anyways that um i would say that and um i think also i would say 
oh man, there's just so many like little tidbits. These aren't really resources, mm-hmm. I guess. These are more like principles. If you are able, I think, to let go of the quick application, it will not be as rewarding initially to read the Bible, but I think mm-hmm. overall it will be far more rewarding. That is what I have found. To stop sitting and thinking, I will read something that's going to affect how I live life today. Like in the long haul, it all does, right? It all adds up. Um, Especially if if you're coming to this as your sacred text. And yet I think we go so quickly to quick applications and thinking this verse is is really about the situation I'm in. And, And it's like, it might not be. You might be reading something that is not gonna be relevant to you till next year. Um, and it's a practice, honestly, I think if we can approach the Bible and interacting with it as a practice instead of as, I don't know, this other thing we do where it's like, we do it expecting, I think we expect out of the Bible, what we should only expect out of God alone. And for the evangelical Mm -hmm. side of me was like, well, yeah, because that's what we're supposed to do. That is, and I, I, I actually think like, no, the Bible isn't God actually, and if you put mm-hmm. expectations on it that are only meant to be on God, then you're going to have some uh, bad things follow necessarily. Like sometimes the passage doesn't fit your life. Often it's not about you actually, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and so I don't know, just uh, these are not resources, but this idea of can you read it and try and take yourself out and look at it as it is as much as possible. Of course, we all have our own biases and, and you know, we can't completely get rid of that. But right. Um, anyway, so I guess there you go. Do you have any thoughts on that stuff? No, I was on thinking, those? yeah, 100% what you were saying. I think yeah. all that is that's I would second it. Yeah. 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 Okay, we just have a couple questions left. Um, someone said, why call it deconstruction? That's such a negative word. I found this to be a very interesting question. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I actually, I found this a very interesting comment because I don't think deconstruction is negative. Mm. Uh, I've actually always thought it was really positive. Uh, to me it implies removing all these outward trappings so you can really see the actual structure of something inside and so that's like it's exciting it's invigorating it's searching for truth and i honestly like like, even just talking about it i truly am excited and invigorated by the idea of figuring out what is actually true or what's actually going on about anything um Mm. and so we're talking about doing that with our faith to me it's the same it's it's still exciting um I guess foundationally, I think there's something there to be found. But I guess even if there wasn't, I'd rather have the, like, truth is there no matter what. Mm, yeah. And that's what I want. And so everyone should be con- deconstructing as much as possible all the time about everything, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so that's that's where I come from. I think it's very positive. Yeah. I I would very much agree with you. I do think where this person's coming from is really, uh, you know, especially in evangelicalism, we see mm-hmm. leaders often call deconstruction a, a pretty negative thing that is hurting the church, they would say, because there's this stereotype that you're deconstructing because you're bitter <laughs> or because you're, you know, like mm-hmm. wanting to sin and all the mm-hmm. wanting to make up your own gospel or whatever. And then there's this idea that you are most likely going to leave. Well, most likely going to leave their brand of Christianity. And to me, that's that also a huge positive. So... 
No, I can't really feel too bad about it. I'm like, yeah, no. you should. If the people, all the people who've made people as in like church leaders who've made those comments about deconstruction is so sexy now, like that whole thing. Was oh, like, Matt that's, Chandler said that. <laughs> yeah. That's ridiculous. And honestly, people, I I believe people should leave that brand of Christianity. And so the no. thought of them deconstructing and finding out what is more true. Um, is is only a positive so i'm yeah. not concerned about those sort of comments because i think i i'm before this kind of happened i was already so far removed from that mm. that i didn't take it personally it was more like yeah absolutely people should leave <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah but it's, that's not the same for people who are in a different stage who have a different experience with that church it's very different yeah it's it is interesting so i had in i had an episode about an apologist defends deconstruction mm. and i talked about an article mama bear apologetics talked about and and yeah. i in many ways respect them but i also very much disagree with much of what they say but um yeah. one of the things they said is like they, they really tie this word deconstruction to the original word deconstruction as a philosophical um kind of system that jacques derrida uh created and it's this whole it's about liter it's a literary thing and it's about um how words change meaning and how we mm -hmm. need to be aware of that um and basically at the end of the day what they said is like if you have someone questioning you need to be sure to tell them you can call yourself a questioning christian basically but you need to not use that word because it has so many other um negative connotations tied to it and you need to, yeah and hmm. so they were really encouraging people not to use it which this is kind of getting into what do you call it semantics yeah but there was part yeah. of me that's like okay but who gave that its negative connotation <laughs> you know mm -hmm. it's like if the church was i feel if the church was able to compassionately and intelligently respond to these questions you wouldn't be getting uh, this negative sort of a stereotype tied to it i think that instead of actually engaging well with the questions the church is often like oh you're just a problem um and that's me being a little saucy right here yeah. but um but i do think in many ways you can use other words so like our season deconstructing all these bible passages i was thinking we very much um follow like a lot of the hermeneutical principles i learned in my evangelical school graduate school right you know you could call it um what would the word be exegizing bible passages mm -hmm. or or by mm -hmm. studying you know you can call it these things because the thing is like that's what it is actually and i don't think the church realizes that a lot of the time deconstruction is a deep dive look it's yeah. not some other wild thing i mean you get right. people who don't have all the resources to do it as maybe um as thoroughly as some people but like it i don't know i get kind of worked up about it because i just think the hostility is unwarranted and so yes. yeah if you don't want to call it deconstruction call it whatever you want but the process i think has to happen in mm -hmm. america like it has to happen worldwide for christianity to survive honestly um yeah i don't know anyways so there's my tangent for that um <laughs> and our last question is kind of a long question and so I'm going to just read the whole thing yeah. and then we'll kind of pull out the core question. Um, this question was asked quite a while ago and it was, a, it was during our hell series, but it's about mm -hmm. the idea of individual salvation versus collective salvation and, and not even mm -hmm. just salvation, but just being individual in this kind of divine 
I don't know what you'd call it, divine reality versus being a collective group of people in that. So that yeah. doesn't maybe actually help clarify anything. I'll just read the question. It said, this person said, in my experience of how I was taught about the judgment and my personal salvation, it was always framed as individualistic. It's between me and God. Yet, as I learn about how socially connected and how socially integrated my behaviors are, the idea of individual accountability makes less and less sense to me. Does it make sense for God to judge my salvation based on my behaviors alone when they are so heavily influenced upon the norms, politics, and social definitions of my culture? I wonder if Christ would judge our behaviors and that of our households, communities, towns, and cities, provinces, and states, or nations as well, and if he would judge our social environments equally or more strictly than even our individualistic behaviors due to their impact on us. This question pulls on the thread and starts to unravel the individualistic nature of judgment to me and reveals a vast array of complexity never taught or acknowledged in my church experiences. I guess all this is to say, does limiting our views to an individual criteria, keeping us from engaging in our homes, communities, towns, etc., does limiting that's just okay let me say this again i guess all this is to say would our communities be healthier if the church focused on engaging our social environments as a part of us quote unquote working out our salvation it may be more about Mm -hmm. salvation and judgment than about hell um he's talking about his question he says this question may be more about salvation and judgment than about hell so if it doesn't fit then that's fine i just always think of judgment and it's criteria when I think of hell and its inverse. So I think this was a, yeah. this came up when I asked about questions for our hell series. Yeah. But from what I'm understanding, the question is, you know, is it right to look at judgment and salvation individually, um, which is how evangelicalism really does? Mm-hmm. Um, or is it better to look at it in a social collective aspect? That's kind of what I'm gathering. Is that what you're gathering from that? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> anyways what and i think orthodox uh, actually have a different view on that um but yeah, yeah what are your thoughts on that yeah i kind of had three main thoughts so i don't know how you want to take this but kind of the first way i took this was thinking about um the nature of salvation and judgment and so i said like looking at salvation through an individual lens or a social lens uh, salvation ultimately is healing us from sin, which I define as a sickness. And so it pervades mm. us personally, and it also pervades culture. And I believe God does take into account our circumstances and the degree to which we have agency to make decisions. And all throughout scripture, we hear some variation of God looks at the heart. And mm. I think that that shows how God values our inner life and sees true motivations versus just what people see on the outside. So the context of how we grow up, the society we're in, all these things, I think that does inform God's view of us or, you know, what we're going to call sin um, and how sin uh, degradates what we were created to be. I I definitely think God takes that into account and, um, you know, values us accordingly, judges us accordingly. Um, and I say judgment, but I, it, I think I mean that he extends grace to that much more than judgment in, in that way. Mm. Um, that's my that's my kind of first point. Uh, I, ha- yeah. I have two more. I don't know. Yeah, give I us should. more because I didn't really know what I thought on this. I had pulled up yeah. verses that really kind of spoke 
to both. Like you can make a case for both sides of this, that salvation is a very individualistic thing that each person has to really worry about um, or mm-hmm. like w- work at for themselves. And then there's also verses that allude yeah. to it being a very much a collective, like a group of people will find safety and healing and, and all this. So it's, it's just kind of right. interesting to sort through that. So really I could share those, um, but I'm, I want to hear what you have to say. So <laughs> can you give me your other two points? Okay. Yeah, sure. So starting from that, like as we are individually healed from sin, uh, that, we should be spreading that healing out into our society. So it shouldn't be, there is in a lot of flavors of evangelicalism, there is definitely this focus on the individual. And I don't want to completely divorce from that, but I think there it's so much more and we are missing a big part of what Christian life should be and how it help and how it's supposed to be helping everyone and helping others and healing society. And so what as we become individually healed from sin it's a process we're never going it's a process of becoming like god right we grow closer to god and as we do we we heal and change and as part of that process we should be doing that in our society as well and i was thinking we do see often very imperfectly but we do see christian organizations championing social justice and advocating and providing for those in need throughout history Christianity, again, like not always perfectly and sometimes very detrimentally, but we see Christians who feel this call to move social justice forward, to help the poor, to you know do all these things. And I think that is part of what is required to what required of us as we work out our salvation in that sense. Um, This is not to put like, onus on anyone because it looks differently for each individual at different times in life so I just want to extend grace because if I hear that I'm like oh my gosh I have to be doing all these things and that's not what Mm -hmm. I mean at all but I do think to whatever degree it is right for you we do need to be working out our salvation in that way in that what has happened to us is transformative and has outflowing effects um and so, maybe it's like, holistic, maybe? Holistic. In the sense, that's, that's, yeah. I mean, is that what you're getting at? Like this idea yeah, of... Yeah, that's, that's the word I think I'm trying to... Yes, all-encompassing, holistic. So the last part of the question, would our society be better if Christians like uh, focused more on community and engaging with society? Absolutely. Because, mm. again, as I said, evangelical Christians can have a tendency to focus on themselves individually and then kind of cocoon themselves in their own little circle. And so Mm -hmm. uh, we don't really see them being engaged in living life in community with the society they're actually in. And so absolutely, I think it would be better for everyone, for society at large, if um, we were more engaged and had a more holistic view of what it meant to live a Christian life. Mm, Yeah. And what did you have another point with that too? Was that your second or did that? That was, was my that... third actually. That was, so I had kind oh, of third. the idea, like just like the final, I was just kind of, I guess, reiterating that, um, yes, society so, would yes. be better. Give us your, your three points to summarize that beautifully said piece of talk. <laughs> what am I saying? <laughs> Give us your three points. <laughs> my three points are that, cause we talked about, so, what salvation is healing from sin, which is a sickness, and that's as we are healed, 
we should it should be a holistic healing and something that is an outflow uh, that flows into our community. And so um, the third point is that because of those two things, absolutely, yes, uh, we need to focus more on spreading that healing throughout our communities um, mm-hmm. and not being so insulated, but um, be fully focused uh, and engaged with society. Yeah, and I love actually this because um, <clears throat> the understanding of salvation is so different than what many of us have been taught. Because for so many of us, it's okay, your salvation is, you know, having the right posture so you're saved from hell. And in mm-hmm. this case, it's it's more of an emphasis on having healing and transforming mm-hmm. and um, and having that actually change your life right now is it, it's the biggest, if not even... I don't want to say only necessarily, but the main emphasis is a transforming of everything, you know? Yes. And I think that's beautiful and it it changes a lot of how you interact with people. I was mm-hmm. recently talking to someone about someone who's actually very, very much evangelical, um, sure. but she was, you know, I was telling her how it still blows my mind how um, many evangelicals actually reach out to me for advice on things and I'm like are you sure you're on the right page because I mean I'm glad but as far as like someone was like I'm a new Christian what Bible do you recommend and it's great actually but it's also like um Mm -hmm. you know I'm criticizing the church but I told her I said I think what's happening in part is I have lost the urgency and actually really even the sense that I have to convince anyone of anything which is so fascinating Mm -hmm. for someone who has their master's degree in apologetics which is based on convincing people with the best arguments you can find but I've lost that sense of urgency because I think that is not operating out of a place of faith I think Mm -hmm. it's operating out of fear I think that's operating out of holding responsibility we're not meant to have I told her you know I think we Uh, are meant to like like we were just talking about we are meant to look at the whole person and if Mm -hmm. if we're saying if we're so concerned with someone's salvation but we don't care that their marriage is falling apart not really you know we'll care about their marriage so that we can talk about jesus to them Mm -hmm. but it's like i think that if we focus on actually helping people then that is the gospel in action and there may come a time I I don't want to say that you never speak about what you think and all that but I just think as a whole Christianity has got this real hasty thing where we're like we got to hurry up like this could be our last chance and I think that's kind of carry over from the New Testament when people thought Jesus was coming back any second and I don't want to say that there's never urgency but I think we have put our urgency in the wrong place like I think that we need to focus on the whole well-being like you said of people and that when we're talking about working out salvation we don't we don't place the same emphasis on helping someone overcome their you know ADHD or anxiety or depression mm-hmm. we don't place that in the same in spot as like but do they actually believe these five points about Jesus and the thing is like that is working out your salvation too and in, in this understanding yes and to come alongside someone like that that is holy work that is sacred work like that is probably what you're called to in this moment if you want to use the christian lingo of being called and not like yes the you know and so it's just a different approach that i think is very um it, it works like i've seen it work people respond to that they can tell they're actually loved and cared for 
and Mm -hmm. that speaks to the soul long before your rhetoric does you know and and so and there might not even be a time for rhetoric I think there's a time for honest questioning together and I don't know it's just yeah I I think your points are really beautiful and I think that we see um, in the Bible a lot that there's an idea that people are like the individual matters Mm -hmm. but the collective matters God doesn't just pull his favorites um and I I don't know I just it's a lot to think about but I I I loved your points and I think this idea I'm coming from without certainty but having peace you know I can't explain Mm -hmm. it all very well but I do think you're on to something about salvation not being all about you know getting out of hell (laughs) Mm -hmm. anyways do you have any final thoughts for our Q&A episode Jenny no I no I enjoyed it I I really it's just kind of a, a relaxed conversation um know, in a sense and different I, than I enjoyed our that. a little bit different not that it isn't relaxed but just like you know it's more just like it, it's a conversation and we're just we're sharing and yeah. um you know less less research and more more internal research I'll say yeah um yeah. And I enjoyed the change of pace. I, I, we haven't spoke. Well, we, we talk a little bit, but we haven't really had a long conversation for a while. And I really, I really enjoyed that. So it was just great to talk to you again. It was great to talk to you. If this episode was meaningful to you, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com slash deconstructing the myth so that episodes like today's keep coming.